The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All are welcome here. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining me for the show today. I hope your new year is getting off to a great start. Maybe you set some goals and made some resolutions. And I was thinking about this. One of mine was to stop posting or reacting to political or COVID posts on social media because I was getting kind of crazy during the election. So I'm I'm struggling with that, but I'm working on that as, as one of my resolutions. And also one of my other goals that I set for myself for this year was for my career and for, for life. And, and that includes making more money. Like who doesn't want to make more money? I mean, we all want to be more prosperous and just enjoy life without worry. So I've been trying to think about that in a different way as well. And maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe one of your goals was to make more money this year and bring in some more prosperity, changing your attitude from one of lack to one of abundance. And I think that's a big thing with a lot of people, the way we think and talk about money has always been really interesting to me. And just for me growing up, you know, I was taught that you have to work hard to get money. Nothing was free. You got to get a job, put your nose to the grindstone. So I associate money with hardship and, and hard work. And that can be a good and a bad thing. You know, you get a good work ethic, but then you're, you're not really enjoying life. So I need to shift my ideas about money and prosperity. And so that's why I'm so happy to be welcoming my guest today. She's going to help us reframe our thoughts on prosperity and help us create affluence in all areas of our lives. Susan Chomsky is a doctor of divinity, a spiritual teacher, and award-winning author of 20 books, including Maharishi and Me, Seeking Enlightenment with the Beatles Guru. And this chronicles her two decades of living in Maharishi's ashrams. So I saw that. I'm like, oh, I have another book to add to my list. (laughs) This is crazy. Her new book, which we're going to be talking about, just came out last October. It's called Prosperity Meditations, Everyday Practices to Create an Abundant Life. And I'm so happy to welcome her today. Thanks for joining me, Susan. Thanks for inviting me, Diane. I'm excited to speak with you today. Well, I've really been enjoying this book. I've you know, spending some time with it, doing these affirmations and, and trying to work with the meditations. I mean, I really want to get into this uh, deeply. I I love this book and I I hope a lot of people pick this up. So, so many people out there are worried about money. I'm, I'm sure you know this, even though according to 2020 data from the U.S. Census Bureau, actually less people are living in poverty. There's about 11.4% of Americans in poverty which is, is less than it has been previously. So you would think more people are, are doing better, but we're, but we're worried about it more. The idea that 
the more you acquire and consume, the happier you will be is still really prevalent. We still have some weird ideas on money. What's your take on this? You know, we've been brainwashed since birth to believe that money is the root of all evil, that it's better to be poor, that it's more spiritual to be poor, that poor people can never be spirit, can, can always be spiritual, rich people can never be spiritual. So unfortunately, our programming from birth has taught us that money is bad and that we should push it away. So we are unconsciously doing that. And that's not helping us to become prosperous because money goes where it's welcomed and it stays where it's well-treated. And when you were growing up, what was your family's philosophy on money? Was it, you know, a hardship or how, how did they feel? Well, I grew up in rather prosperous situation in that my father was a physician. But my mom was always jealous of her sister because her sister who married the plumber was very uh, wealthy because he invested his money very well and very smartly. And my father, who was a humanitarian, never sent out a bill his entire life. So my mother was jealous. And obviously that has influenced me in that I must have a, some subconscious idea to be jealous of rich people or to resent rich people in some way. But I think I've overcome quite a bit of that through really my spiritual practices that I've been doing for the last 50 years. <laughs> and do you agree with the statement that money doesn't buy happiness? Yeah, money, <laughs> money certainly doesn't buy happiness. Happiness comes from being in touch with who we really are and accepting who we are. And really the ultimate happiness comes from communion with spirit, communion with God. So that's the real happiness and has nothing to do with money, obviously. But unfortunately, many spiritual people really believe that money is bad and that they shouldn't have very much of it. So, of course, we are creating our own destiny and our own reality through every thought, every word, and every deed. As a matter of fact, in the very first verse of the first chapter of the Dhammapada, Lord Buddha's scripture, he says, all that we are is the result of what we have thought. And I think that's really a stunning statement, Diane. All that we are is the result of what we have thought, which means that we are creating our destiny through our thoughts. And Buddha goes on in the rest of that verse to say, if a person speaks or acts with a pure thought, then happiness follows him or her. If a person speaks or acts with an impure thought, then unhappiness follows him or her. So what he's saying is that we create our destiny, our fate, moment by moment, day by day, through every thought, every word, and every deed. So if we go around saying, oh, I'm so unhappy, I'm so poor, oh, I'm so upset, I'm so sick, I feel so sick. If we go around saying these affirmations, <laughs> then that will manifest our destiny, that will manifest in our destiny. And if we go around saying, 
oh, I am filled with love. I am filled with light. I am peace. I am happy. I am whole. I am wealthy. I am healthy. If we go around saying that, just feel the difference in the vibration. It's so positive. It, it, it's expansive. It makes us feel better to say these positive words. Anytime that we use the word I am, what we're doing is we're invoking the mighty I am presence. So whatever you say, after you say the words I am, needs to be something that you really want to own. So it's very important that we are very careful about our speech. Jesus once said, we are not defiled by what we put into our mouths. We are defiled by what comes out of our mouths. He was a, a big advocate of positive speaking, of manifestation through speech. That was really one of his main platforms, actually. And you mentioned this in the book with this certain affirmation that you repeat throughout that we should say out loud after some of the different meditation exercises, I am alert, I am very alert, I am awake. And so you, you talk about that, the I am, the power of saying that. And, and saying it out loud, you really can feel that there's something happening, that you, you claim it when you say that, right? And we, and we have to really be aware of that when we're saying that. Absolutely, Diane. It's really important whenever you say affirmations to say them audibly, to say them with conviction, to say them as though you mean it, and also to say it as though your higher self is saying the affirmation through you, not your ego self. The I am is the mighty, it's the Atman. It is our higher self. It is the mighty I am presence, and it has power. It has authority. So when we say an affirmation such as this, we say it with authority. We say, I am in control. I am one with God. I am the only authority in my life. I am divinely protected by the light of my being. I close off my aura and body of light to the lower astral levels of mind. And I open to the spiritual world. Thank you, God. And so it is. That sounds so powerful, even just hearing you say that. So I was curious, I wanted to ask your opinion on this. We've read or I've read a lot about thoughts on prosperity or what's been called the prosperity gospel that is interpreted as if you give your money to God, God will bless you with more money. And really, your message is a little different in the prosperity of that the idea is that God wants all of us to be prosperous and abundant and we shouldn't have to pay for it, right? It, it should be our birthright. And where do you think there's the, the disconnect or the, or the misinformation or misunderstanding of that when you hear that term prosperity gospel? I'm not really familiar with the prosperity gospel. Are you speaking about tithing? Right. Like there's, you know, some of these big mega churches and spiritual teachers that are out there and they're telling people, you know, if you, if you give a certain amount or it, it, it almost seems like they're saying you have to pay for it for you to get anything back from God, <laughs> you know, you need to be giving us your money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good way to raise money. It sounds like 
sounds like a good good scam they've got going on there <laughs> it is that that that's what i think it's seems kind of scammy in a way when yeah. what you're talking about in the book is is a little is a little different well it's a lot very much it's very different that it's really our birthright to have an abundant and prosperous life and and we should accept it i guess that's the difference is that some some people are saying you have to pay for it yes that's that's actually that's assigning a very limited viewpoint about our supply. The reality is God is infinite and God is infinite supply and infinite substance. And that infinite substance is the thing that creates this entire universe. And therefore God is unlimited, uh, unlimited everything. So there is no shortage, there is no lack. This idea that you have to pay for it or that you want to get your fair share, all of these kinds of ideas are based upon the idea that God is not, God is limited, that uh, abundance is limited, that there isn't enough to go around. But the reality is that there is infinite divine presence, infinite divine substance, infinite divine power, infinite divine love, <laughs> that God is unlimited. And therefore, Whenever we pray, whenever we do affirmative prayer, uh, we are affirming that unlimited power and presence of God. Uh, we invoke that unlimited power and presence of God whenever we do affirmative prayer. So we say that there is one power and one presence at work in the universe and in our lives, and that that power is unlimited. That power is infinite. So when we call upon god uh, what we're doing is we're calling upon the infinite which has no limits whatsoever therefore we can create everything and anything through our intention uh, and through opening to god to really give that to us to bring that in to being into our life and that's the big difference. And you go into that in the book is the intention. And I guess I just want people to really understand that, you know, they're seeing all of these people on TV, these, you know, I don't want to name certain people that are, are kind of preaching this or espousing this idea that, you know, you have to, you have to pay for it or that, God only likes rich people or, or that kind of thing. And, and that's why they're getting what, what they're getting, why, why they have what they have, I guess. And, and what you're saying is really your intention of, of money, you know, I guess, or of, of what you want. I just want people to make that, make that distinction because these people that are building these huge, vast storehouses of, of wealth and money like, what are they really doing with it? And, and how much money do you really need? There, <laughs> you know, there's some talk. I saw a piece, uh, I think it was on CBS Sunday morning of, you know, we have more, you know, there's almost 3000 people in this world that qualify as billionaires with a B, you know, how much money do you really need for happiness? I mean, you, well, you, well, we want our needs met. We want to take care of our family and, 
and have nice things and all of that. But when you start getting into billions, and it seems like there's so much wealth inequality that we look at now, which again, facilitates the idea that wealth is bad and evil, because you're seeing such a disparity, right? So many people that don't have this, and then they're seeing this fake world being presented on social media and on TV that this is important, you should have the Gucci bags and all this expensive stuff and, and that you need all this to be happy. I just think there's a big, there's a big disconnect there. Yeah, uh, that is very interesting what you're bringing up. This idea of materialism. Materialism means really worshiping, uh, mon worshiping money and the things that money buys and worshiping the most uh, facile, the most, uh, the things, the most superficial aspects of wealth, when in fact, uh, people who are spiritual, people who really are looking to create a better world, who have the, the benefit of the world in mind, who wish to uplift people and to bring people to higher consciousness, to create peace on earth, to create ecological balance in the world, spiritual people, Spiritual people, if they have more resources at their command, if they have more money, then they will have more power. Money is simply an exchange of goods and services. Money is not evil. Money is not good. Money is, money, money is just simply what it is. It is a way to have more power, to be able to do more in the world. So what we would like is for people such as those listening to this podcast, this broadcast, these are the people who we want to have more power. We want them to be able to be effective in the world, to create a better world. So um, it doesn't help for us to look to people who are wealthy and to put them down or to be jealous of them or to think that they're bad or to think that it's not good for them to be materialistic. That's really a waste of our energy. What we want to do is we want to be most effective at what we're doing. What we're doing is uplifting the planet through meditation, through prayer, through Unity Church, through all the things that we support and that we love we're creating a better world. So we want to be effective. Why not have more resources? Why don't we create more uh, prosperity for those of us who have the best interests of the world in our minds? Yes, I like that. And I really think that if, if more of us thought that way, I mean, if I suddenly had a windfall of, you know, a million dollars, I would want to spread it around. I would want to give to things that I feel are important. And so we do want to empower the people that feel that it's out of their reach to ever be prosperous or to ever have money or have financial freedom or any of those things. And I, and I, I like, that's why I think your book is so important because it's shifting that mindset. And I think we need to even things out a little bit and empower people to the idea that yes, they can be prosperous. Yes, they can be abundant and have more, have more money. So I, mean, I think your book is really important. The important, thing, the important thing for people like us who wish for the welfare of humanity and all that, 
is that we don't push money away. Uh, the trouble is that because of our conditioning, we are subconsciously pushing money away because we think that we need to be the hermit, the monk, the nun, the, the wandering mendicant, the, the sadhu, uh, the Buddha. You know, we, we think that we can't live in the world and be spiritual. But in fact, you know, the most spiritual thing you can do is to love your spouse, to love your children, to, uh, to be to create happiness within your family. These are the real riches. And by the way, my book, Prosperity Meditations, is not just about money. As a matter of fact, it's just one of the topics in the book. Uh, it's about unlimited life and unlimited life on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, creating unlimited health, happiness, love, relationships, even unlimited planet, unlimited resources in the planet. All of these, uh, the book is filled with uh, prosperity meditations, that means guided meditations, also affirmations, affirmative prayers, and mantras to help you to create a more abundant, unlimited life. Yes, it's definitely not just financial abundance, so I don't want to give people that impression at all. And there's even exercises and, and mantras for the ideal sexual partner and fulfillment on this level. So, I mean, you've covered a lot of things in the book to make us all happier, including that, which I, I thought was great. And we can talk about that as well. Um, yeah. But I, I did want to ask you about, you know, the guided meditations and how to really use this book so that people can get the most out of it. And I just was hoping you could share a little bit of your history with the practice of meditation because you've taught it meditation, you've, you've done this for, for decades and have had, I'm sure, great results in, in your own life. So how did you first start to become interested even in a meditation practice and then going down that path? Well, yeah, I mean, I started meditation way back in the 20th century when I was a hippie <laughs> and, and got into transcendental meditation uh, which was taught by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the guru of the Beatles. And so I've been practicing meditation for a really long time. I spent two decades in his various ashrams and, uh, and taught meditation, taught that particular method of meditation until, until I found things like unity in religious science and really became very involved with that, uh, whole new thought teachings and uh, became involved with something called uh, teaching of the inner Christ, teaching of intuitional metaphysics, and then began to teach this other form of meditation. And in some of my books, such as Prosperity Meditations, uh, I give, uh, I provide these guided meditations. Guided meditations is the easiest way for anyone to meditate. Anyone who thinks they can't meditate, they think, oh, you know, I don't have time. And they think also, oh, I can't meditate. I can't, I can't control my mind. My mind is just races and all these ideas. People have these completely wrong ideas about, about meditation. They think, oh, I have to blank my mind. And that's not true. There's nothing true about anything I just said about those things about meditation. So uh, guided meditation is great because all you have to do is follow the instructions. 
And so you can either read the meditation in the book, and that will help you to go into a meditative state, or what I prefer and what I suggest is that you actually read the meditations onto a device, and then you sit down comfortably, get really comfortable and cushy, and then you start the playback, you close your eyes, and then your own voice will guide you into the meditative state. I think maybe the only yeah. thing that might scare some people is that people who are not used to hearing their voice sometimes are, are shocked or do I really sound like that? You know, I've heard a lot of people say <laughs> that before too, and they might think, oh, my voice is horrible. It, it's not going to relax me, but that shouldn't hold people <laughs> back, right? From, from trying that. I, I thought it was I interesting. Think, you said yeah. to record it in your own voice. Yeah, I think it's good. But people shouldn't let that be a stumbling block or to stop them from trying it because uh, as you explain in the book, this is really effective and, and really an effective way to, to do a guided meditation. And also in the book, you say that meditation is the panacea for all ills. And have, has that been a kind of a guiding force throughout your life? Yes. I mean, I have always, it, it saved my life basically and continues to save my life day by day because meditation is a way for us to connect with our higher self connect with who we really are and also it's a way to become very relaxed and centered and balanced and to achieve equanimity to achieve wholeness and oneness to achieve that state which is an exalted state of consciousness and don't we want that i mean <laughs> Don't we I, want to I be do. happy <laughs> instead of walking around miserable? We want to be happy. So meditation brings us into that state of true happiness, that state of blessed happiness, the state of grace. How would you explain to someone just to kind of get started the best practice to get the best results? Anything that brings you into a state of relaxation is successful meditation. So uh, I also suggest that you call upon a divine being that you believe in uh, by name and that you take some deep breaths to begin your meditation. Take a few deep breaths because that will immediately put you back into center and balance. In fact, we could do that right now. Why don't we all just take three deep breaths, breathe in and let it go. Then a big deep breath of relaxation, breathe in. And release, and a big deep breath of divine love. Breathe in, and let it go. And immediately, you feel more centered. You feel more relaxed. You feel more yourself. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, digging into Susan's book, which I'm really enjoying spending some time with. We're going to take a short break. I'm talking with Susan Shumsky. I'm sorry, I botched her name. Susan Shumsky about her book, Prosperity Meditations. We'll be right back. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm talking with Susan Shumsky about her book, Prosperity Meditations, Everyday Practices to Create an Abundant Life. And Susan leads you through some amazing exercises and practices for abundance and prosperity in all areas, not just financial, as well as family relationships, your career, your life, the world. It it just kind of touches on everything. And we did just a a short little breathing exercise before the break. And you, you were able to demonstrate that even just doing something that simple can give you just an immediate reset, which I I felt that even in the middle of it, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on the time. I'm going, Oh, I have to do this. And then just even taking three breaths gave me a little bit of a, a reset, which is great. So you did mention that when people are working with some of these exercises that they could call in, call in or mention a spiritual being or God or Jesus or something like that. I mean, in the book, I really love how you incorporate from many world religious traditions and practices. Um, you have mantras in Sanskrit, you know, mentions of sages like Babaji and ascended masters like Saint Germain, as well as Archangel Michael. And was, was your thought process on this to kind of have avenues for everybody for entry, no matter what their belief system is? Exactly, Diane, yes. Uh, Because I'm into universal teachings, you know, I'm not into just one spiritual being, one spiritual deity, one pathway. Uh, I believe that all pathways are leading to the same thing. (laughs) They're all leading to God and God is universal. God has many names, different places in the world. And so, you know, I don't want to leave anyone out. <laughs> I, I like that. And I, and as I've gotten older, even though I was brought up in a certain spiritual tradition and, and really loved a lot of things about that, as I've explored more in my life and read more about different teachers. And a few years ago, I went to this amazing event called the Parliament of World Religions, I don't know if you've ever been to that. It was in Toronto. And I've mentioned this before on a lot of different shows because it was so kind of life-changing for me. It was like a buffet of all these amazing uh, teachings. And the one thing I noticed was everything kind of leads to the same place, right? No, no matter what it was. So I, I really love kind of looking at and learning about all of these, these different traditions. And as a doctor of divinity, you've probably studied so many of them. So I like that you added that part in the book. Yeah, uh, the thing is that if you look at the original scriptures of all religions, you'll find that they're all saying the same thing. You're going to find the same themes over and over again. You're going to find, uh, you actually could be quite amazed 
at looking into all these different original scriptures because <laughs> there's so much the same about them. Like if you look at the Vedic scriptures and then you look at like Orthodox Jewish scriptures, you're going to see the same themes, the same amazing, amazing similarities. For example, the very first chapter of John, John 1, 1, you know, um, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. In fact, I do believe that that indicates that Jesus studied in India. Uh, many people believe that he did travel to India uh, simply because that is an exact quote from Yajurveda, from a, a scripture from India. So <laughs> exactly that, the same. It's so interesting. And I noticed in the book that you used kind of a slight variation of a passage that I always loved, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And I, I will preface this by saying I did have to look it up to see whether it was Psalm 4610. Like, I don't know Bible verses. I don't want people to think that I just, whoa, I pulled this out of my head. Um, so I had, I looked it up you know, to see, but it's funny because my interpretation of why I always liked that passage was that the meaning for me was be still and listen to God, be still and know, and you'll get answers like get quiet. And if you look at a kind of a direct interpretation, in some ways, it says, this is a command from God to stop our futile efforts in dealing with things that are his domain. So in one interpretation that I read, it's a command. And in my understanding, it was more like, be quiet and listen. You know what I mean? Like how people can interpret things so differently. Oh, that is just really, I've never, <laughs> that's a revelation. <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard heard this idea of that particular passage being being you know just listen to me i'm god isn't oh that gosh. interesting that's crazy i'm sorry i i just think that's that's so interesting simply because i've always interpreted as the i am our our higher self that's who god is i am be still know that i am that i am is god Yes. I just think it, it kind of illustrates how some things can be interpreted by people, especially the Bible in so many different ways and where people will pull like literal, what they'll say is a little literal interpretation. Well, this is what God said. I'm like, well, that's not <laughs> what he said to me. My interpretation was different. And by the way, there's a lot of trans. I mean, it wasn't in English to begin with, you know? Right, the Bible right. was not written in English. So unfortunately, a lot is lost in the translation as well, you know. Sure. And we have the wonderful, you know, like Miller Fillmore's wonderful interpretations of the Bible that we can read and study. And we have Yogananda's interpretations of the Bible. And uh, there's just some wonderful ways that we can interpret the Bible in metaphysical ways that I think are much closer to the intention of for example, what Jesus was saying, and by the way, you know, the words of Jesus in the Bible are probably the closest to true, uh, in, in my opinion, are probably the closest to really what God, how God speaks to us, because, you know, one of the things that I teach people is how to listen to that still small voice within that divine voice that speaks to us, and that is the voice of God. And it speaks very much like 
not just very much, exactly like uh, the way Jesus speaks, or at least the quotations from him that are in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting when you start exploring or, you know, looking into some of these things. And, and that could be a whole other, you know, conversation as well. Um, and, and you must know, I mean, I'm sure you've read and interpreted the Bible and all these different spiritual texts. So you, you would be the one to ask. <laughs> you would know. It's, it's so interesting. So I also wanted to ask you about a story that you, you shared in the book, uh, talking about listening, you know, listening to God, paying attention to these, these messages. And you were talking to a Vedic astrologer about increasing wealth. And he said, it's different for everybody. And he asked you to pay attention to what channel brought you good fortune in the past and that you should pay attention to that. And this was how you eventually came to create your company, Divine Travels. And I just, I like that the story that you shared in the book, because it's like you, you paid attention to the messages that you received from God, from spirit, and it tells you the, what to do, the right thing to do. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, um, somewhere in the 1980s, I made a conscious decision to listen to the still small voice and to be guided by spirit in everyday life as much as I possibly can. Obviously, I'm not perfect at it. I don't think anybody can be. It's too difficult <laughs> to really have that much faith to just follow that inner voice and uh, try to try to make that happen in your everyday life moment by moment. But that is what I aspire to. And that's what I try to do. I try every day to, <clears throat> to be in touch with spirit, to ask spirit, what is highest wisdom. And I think that's something that is very, very important. And in fact, I think it's something that's missing from this whole law of attraction kind of deal, where people make this laundry list Oh, I want to create, I want to manifest this, 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 this. They make their laundry list, you know. And I think it's very important that before we ever begin to make any laundry list, that we find out what is highest wisdom, what our true heart's desire is, what our mission is, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. It's most important for us to discover that first and then make our laundry list because then our laundry list will be in touch and in tune with what we really desire to manifest in our lives. So it's, a, it's about being led by spirit. It's about listening to the still small voice within and following God's guidance. It's really about becoming a servant of uh, God, a servant of Christ, a servant of whatever divine being you believe in to serve, to be who you really are and show up, show up in that way. Up, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I always try yeah. to, and you're right. It is hard because I ask all the time, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. <laughs> and I don't always hear what I'm supposed to do, but I, I try to get, there's a feeling that you get not even so much an audible word or instruction or something like that. But when you're in that right direction, you, will get, you know, messages, or I kind of get well, a feeling in my stomach of this is the right thing. This is not. Do you think people mm -hmm. should learn to pay more attention to that, those feelings? Absolutely. There's three basic ways that we receive messages from spirit. Uh, that is in, in the meditative state, let's say. There's three basic ways. One is visual, where you see visions, 
Another is auditory, where you hear words. In other words, words are fed into your mind. You're hearing, you're actually getting sentences that come into your mind. And then the third is kinesthetic, where you're actually getting these gut feelings like you're describing. So those are the three basic ways that we receive guidance from spirit. And what's important is to ask. Everything that I teach is based upon one principle, and that is ask and it shall be given unto you. So by asking, you will receive, asking very specifically, you will receive guidance, ask for highest wisdom, ask for inspiration, ask for creative ideas, ask for healing, ask for peace, ask for whatever it is you want. And ask that in when you're in deep meditation, uh, most people, when they go into meditation, it's a very passive experience. They just go into meditation, they have an experience of peacefulness, and then they come back out. And it's, it's very passive. But what I suggest is doing something that people don't generally do when they're in the deep meditative state. And that is to ask, to start a conversation with God, start a conversation with your higher self, and ask specifically ask questions, ask for what is highest wisdom, ask for guidance. Um, very important not to ask fortune telling questions, don't do that, but ask for guidance, ask for wisdom, ask to be led by spirit. And for example, you could ask, you could say, um, Jesus, please, please tell me what is highest wisdom for me to do about the uh, conflict that I'm having at work with my boss, you know, that's a very specific question. And then you just take a big deep breath. And then you do what I call the do nothing program. That means do nothing, nothing and less than nothing. And then the still small voice will speak to you and will give you guidance, give you wisdom, either, like I said, through a vision, some words or feel. Those are the three basic ways that we receive the guidance. Right. That's great. And I hope people try some of these exercises in the book and pay more attention and listen. And it takes practice, right? Like this won't happen overnight. Sometimes it's a, a little more, well, you need to put a little yeah. more effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. Intuition is a learnable, teachable skill. This, this listening to the inner voice, this listening to the still small voice within, it's a skill and it does require practice. Uh, it does require to get really good at it, that is, to be very clear at it, it does require practice. It's just like learning to play the piano. When you first try to play the piano, it doesn't sound very good. Nobody wants to hear you. No one wants to be around you when you're practicing your, your scales on the piano and, and um, but after a while, you get good at it, and then everyone wants to hear you play. Similarly, with intuition, you're going to be making mistakes at first. It may not go quite as smoothly as you expect. And maybe you think you're guided, guided to do something and doesn't turn out like you wanted to turn out. I mean, there's so many things that, that happen when you start to listen to that inner voice. But perseverance is really important to continue and to be resolved and to have determination and practice, practice, practice. And I really suggest that you practice on a daily basis, take some time every day to listen to that inner voice, to have conversations with God, to start a dialogue and continue it day by day. So 
you know, these are ways to really develop spiritually through developing your intuition. And it's, it's very, very uh, rewarding. It's the most incredible way to live. It's a miraculous way to live. You'll find that you're just, you know, coincidences that are not really coincidental are happening to you all the time. And you're in the right place and the right thing, right? People show up, miracles, just little miracles are taking place all the time. It's quite I like that message though, that you're sharing that in intuition and, and having those abilities that people sometimes think, oh, just a psychic can do this, or it, it's outside of my realm of experience. And it's not, we, we can all experience that kind of intuition and really benefit Absolutely. from it. It's not out of, it's not mm-hmm. out of our realm. So I wanted to talk a little bit too about health and wellness, you know, especially in these times that we're living in today, when it's top of mind in our faces every day to be careful of our health, watch out for this, you know, we're all worried about, about COVID. And do you believe that we have a lot of control over our health? How much control do you feel that we have over, over that aspect? Well, you know, um, there are, there is what's called the law of karma (laughs) and there are consequences to actions. And so if we abuse our bodies, then it will not have the best results (laughs) as far as our health is concerned. So it's better to eat well, it's better to take care of our bodies, get enough rest and get, do some exercising or whatever will enhance our health, take care of our health is very important. And there are some affirmations in the book, Prosperity Meditations, to help us to have a good health and uh, maintain good health. So I wanted to ask you about the, since we're talking about, you know, physical health, some people might not be aware that there is obviously the physical body that we have, but there's also something called the subtle body. And you mentioned that uh, in the book, and can, how would you explain that to people? I mean, there's obviously our carbon-based forms, but there's, there's something else as well that we can work with. Yeah, there's five layers. They're called kosha in Sanskrit, five layers to our body. There's the physical body, which is the anamaya kosha, which means the food sheath. It means it's made of food, sustained by food. Uh, it is, becomes food for something else after we're gone. <laughs> So it's the food sheath, physical, physical form. Then we have the pranamaya kosha, which is our subtle vital energy body made of prana. Prana means life force energy. In Sanskrit, they call it prana. In, that's in India. And then in China, they call it chi. And in Japan, they call it ki. So our pranamaya kosha is the vital energy body. And it's said in the ancient scriptures of India that when prana is in the body, that is what is defined as life. And when prana leaves the body, that is what is defined as death. Because prana gives us motion and it gives us heat. Then we have another layer of the subtle body, which is called the manamaya kosha, which is our mental emotional body. And when people read your aura, that's that's what they're seeing. They're seeing the mental, emotional body, the manamaya kosha. And then we have the vijnanamaya kosha, which is the intellect and ego body. And then we have the 
causal body, which is called the Ananda Maya Kosha. So those are the five sheaths of our energy, of our really our human energy field or aura, auric field, whatever you want to call it. And then we have the higher self, you know, like the Atman, which is our higher self, which is separate from those five sheaths. So those are the various layers of our existence. We're not just this physical body. We have this subtle body, all these layers. And so we want health on every layer of our physical body, of our um, body. And that's where you go. And you go into this in the book, uh, into different practices for all of those layers. It makes me think of like, we're all really these Russian dolls in a way you know, with all the little, ah. layers, you know, little layers that you pull off. Yeah, it's like Russian dolls, that's good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we have all these different layers to ourselves. And I love that you do mention having prosperous mental health in the book, because there's a lot of focus on mental health these days, which is great, I think. And it's such an important thing to talk about. Like, where's the line from someone who is really dealing with depression and, and, and a real mental illness? You can't just tell someone like that, well, just cheer up right? You know, do these things and you'll be, you'll be healthy, but there are steps we can take to really improve our mental health that we have control over. I guess I'm trying to just differentiate from things that need medication and that sort of thing to things that we can do to really improve our mental health every day. Well, as, uh, as we discussed earlier, uh, Buddha tells us all that we are is the result of what we have not. So we're creating our mental state, emotional state, physical state, everything about ourselves are creating moment by moment through every thought that we think. I've written another book called Earth Energy Meditations, which deals specifically with people who are overly sensitive, let's say, highly sensitive people. I call them energy sponges, a person who absorbs energy around them as a sponge absorbs water. And they may get very drained going through their day. They may feel that people around them are like energy vampires that are sucking them dry, sucking their energy. And they could be taking on the feelings of other people. Uh, they might, their thoughts might not even be their own. Uh, they're so sensitive to people around them. There are certain affirmations and prayers, affirmative prayers that we can use in order to gain inner strength and in fact, even to prevent uh, mental illness, uh, to help us, to help us if we have a mental illness as well. The, like pe the people you're describing would be called empaths, right? Empathic people? Correct. Yeah, empathic people. And probably all of us who are listening here are somewhat uh, in that category. In the book, Earth Energy Meditations, that's really a great book, which also, by the way, is filled with guided meditations, prayers, affirmations, mantras to help us uh, with our mental health, really. It's, it's really focused on that. And so I think that's a very valuable uh, asset. I think that's something that people can really use. It's very practical, and it, it is an audio book as well. My belief is that much of mental illness is caused by entity, oppression, possession, or influence. And I go into that in great detail as well in the book, Earth Energy Meditation. Oh, that's interesting. And people can find out all about that on your website if they want to find out more about your other books as well, because that's where I found out about 
your book on the Maharishi. So I ordered that. <laughs> so I want to read that one. And now I'll have to go back and get the other one so they can check out drsusan.org. <laughs> and in, I wanted to ask you while we have time, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, in the chapter on spiritual health, which I love that there's support for this as well. There's some, there's support for all areas of your life in, in Susan's book. And you have exercises that invoke the violet flame of St. Germain or the blue sword of Archangel Michael. And when I do visualizations myself, I love to think of certain colors. Like sometimes if I'm going into a horrible place, like the DMV, for example, <laughs> and I, I imagine myself surrounded by like a, um, you know, the inside of a shell has that pearlescent kind of color, mm -hmm. kind of pinkish. Yeah, yeah. Like pinkish purplish. And I love to imagine myself surrounded by this wonderful light to <laughs> keep these, you know, people away from me or to make my experience a little better if I'm in the DMV or, or whatever line I happen to be in. Do you think that visualizing those kind, kinds of colors uh, is really effective and, and helpful? Yeah, it can be very, very effective and very helpful. It depends on different people have different, you know, some people like to visualize, some people like to say words, you know, some people uh, like to go into meditation. There's, there's different, different things that we can do. And I try to provide as many different methods as possible in my books so that, you know, if you're more visual, if you're more auditory, if you're more kinesthetic, so that you can benefit. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier in our talk, and I just wanted to circle back that in the book, you also have meditation exercises and mantras for the ideal sexual partner and for fulfillment on this level. And for some reason, people don't like their sexuality and spirituality mixed. I think it makes some people nervous for some reason. We've been brainwashed to believe that sex is bad, money is bad, and therefore we wanna push away money, we wanna push away sex because those things are unspiritual. Those things will take you away from God. How ridiculous. I mean, God created these bodies. Uh, God, goddess created these beautiful bodies and created the desire for sexuality so that we could procreate. God created uh, the physical body so let's enjoy it. And humans created money, but you know, there's always been some form of exchange. You know, there has to be some form of exchange for goods and services. So there's nothing unspiritual about money either. It's just a way for us to live in the world, really. That's all that money is. So uh, pushing away money will not bring it to you. Pushing away sex will not make you happier. Thank you so much for sharing all this time with our listeners today. People can reach you, drsusan.org, to find out all about what you're doing. And thanks so much for joining me. And thanks for inviting me, Diane. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. 
Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.